Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of the week that we generally bring back some of the messages you have sent us. Uh, So, Rob, if you don't mind, I think I'm going to get started with this message from longtime correspondent Jim in New Jersey about our episode on the Stargazer in the Well. Let's have it. Jim writes, Robert, Joe, and Seth, when you mentioned well astronomy, and a oh, uh, refresher for those who it may have been a bit uh, with the episode, we, we talked in that episode about uh, the longstanding belief that a person could stand at the bottom of a well or at the bottom of a tall, hollowed-out tower, and for some reason this would allow them to see the stars in the daytime. Uh, we decided that there, there doesn't seem to be any evidence that's actually true, but for some reason a lot of people thought that. Anyway, Jim says... Uh, When you mentioned well astronomy, I was sure you'd tell my favorite well astronomy story, how Eratosthenes measured the size of the Earth using a well. The well at Syene in Egypt, and Syene is the place uh, also at other times known as uh, Aswan, Uh, Syene in Egypt is on the Tropic of Cancer. At noon on the summer solstice, if one looks into a well at Syene, one sees a reflection of the sun at the bottom, since it's directly overhead. 
Eratosthenes measured the angle of a shadow cast by a vertical rod in Alexandria. Assuming parallel rays of light from the sun, he could easily determine the arc on a circle from Syene to Alexandria. Then, with knowledge of the distance between the two places, he could calculate the size of the Earth. His results were within about 1% of the actual size. I wonder how he felt when he realized that the Earth was so much larger than their known parts. Students in different schools could replicate this with the flagpoles at their schools. All that would be needed are two schools several hundred miles north or south of each other, that is, mostly on the same longitude. They would measure the angle of the shadow cast by their flagpoles when the sun is at its highest in the sky. By comparing the angles and with knowledge of the distance between the two schools, they should be able to reproduce similar results. Jim in New Jersey. Uh, yeah, Jim, th- this is a great story, and this is one of my favorite stories of somebody figuring out uh, figuring out something way before you might imagine they had the tools to do so. So this is an ancient Greek figure correctly calculating the size of the Earth just by looking at shadows cast by objects under the sun. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, speaking of that uh, Stargazer in the Well episode, uh, we had at least one person reach out and say, "Say, oh, did you guys cover that because it was mentioned on the Josh Brolin uh, Amazon sci-fi western series Outer Range?" And uh, this, huh. this apparently, like the episode of Outer Range that came out that week, they, there's a character who has a bit where they're um, they're referencing the story of you know, an astronomer falling down a well because they're looking up at the at the sky. Um, the, the, but the the funny thing is that uh, my wife and I are watching this series, but we were not current on it. So we had not actually gotten to that episode yet. It just happened to be, I guess, a weird, one of those weird accidents uh, where we happen to be covering this topic just as it is referenced on a major television show. I didn't even know what that show was, so I had no idea. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's got some weird music, and uh, Will Patton plays a um, like a crazy rancher guy and is a lot of fun in it. Uh, so I, 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 I would recommend it on, on those two counts. Nice. All right. Here is one that comes to us uh, from, who's this from? Steve. Steve is talking about the world turtle. Just a shout out and thank you for the delightful Monster Fact episode called Torterra, a Pokemon. I have long been enamored with turtles, turtle myths, and turtle hybrid monsters. My son is the same age as yours, and I enjoyed listening to your Pokemon expert speak. He did an excellent job. Well, thank you. (laughs) I'll pass that on to him. Uh, I was so glad you mentioned the turtle hybrid from the original Avatar The Last Airbender anime. You guys covered all the main turtle bases and even referenced a few uh, that are new to me. These legends reminded me of my favorite passage from Stephen Hawking's classic A Brief History of Time. A well-known scientist, some say it was uh, uh, Bertrand Russell, once gave a public lecture on astronomy. He described how the Earth orbits around the sun and how the sun in turn orbits around the center of a vast collection of stars called our galaxy. At the end of the lecture, a little old lady at the back of the room got up and said, what you have told us is rubbish. The world is really a flat plate supported on the back of a giant tortoise. The scientist gave a superior smile before replying, what is the tortoise standing on? You're very clever, young man. Very clever, said the old lady, but it's it's turtles all the way down. 
Amusing as this story is, I feel it bears repeating that many of these stories and legends might have been intended to function uh, metaphorically rather than be accepted as literal truths. The examples you shared involved a broad spectrum of visualizations ranging from poetic conceptualization to the kind of good, clean, imaginative fun one can experience reading a science fiction novel or a translation of an ancient mythological story. All of these forms have the potential to take one momentarily out of the mundane into the realm of possibility. Even in the natural world, it takes inspiration and imagination to develop theories which can be tested as useful or misleading explanations of existential phenomena. Your inclusion and celebration of both kinds of thought is what really sets Stuff to Blow Your Mind apart. May you live long and podcast evermore, Steve. Turtles all the way down. You know, going back to the story about Bertrand Russell or whoever it was, uh, I, I years ago started making jokes saying X all the way down on the podcast, and then I noticed other people too, and I don't know if that's just a coincidence or if I picked up on other people uh, just using that as a meme without realizing it. But yeah, now uh, probably uh, people have heard a joke of that format or uh, th- that phrase turned into a meme without understanding what the origin is. You know, they've heard mm-hmm. somebody say, oh, it's... Uh, you know, it's TikTok all the way down or something. Right. Crabs all the way down, something like that. But that is that is the origin of that phrase. There's also a, a subtle angle to that story that I really like, which is that it, uh, it illustrates the way that uh, having a ready-made phrase in your language for something can easily... Uh, cause you to to sort of skip over uh, assessing the logical consistency of what you're talking about because to say the phrase all the way down means going all the way to the bottom but this is used in the sentence to cause you to uh just don't worry about the bottom (laughs) you know All right, this next message is in response to our series called Fire from the Rocks. These were episodes about naturally fueled flames, uh, things like coal seam fires and uh, natural gas fueled fires and uh, auto igniting minerals and, and things like that. Uh, So this is from Daniel. Daniel says, Hi, my name is Daniel. I am a 47-year-old radio broadcaster of 20 years in Australia. I listened to all your shows and loved the stuff on Burning Mountain. I was there in 1988 for a family holiday when I was 13. Image attached. I'm the kid with the striped shirt. It was a weird, moon-like, ominous atmosphere which stunk of sulfur. I would love to shoot part of a sci-fi movie there. Anyway, keep it up, and I love the show. Cheers, Daniel. And uh, so, Rob, I attached this photo for you to look at. Ah, but Daniel, in the photo I see, you're actually walking around on the ground on the bear patch, and I think I don't know if you're allowed to do that today, but there is an observation deck in the more recent photos I've seen, which leads me to believe that at least the park is trying to get people to stay up on the deck rather than, than walking on the uh, the scalded area. Uh, and I wonder if you were walking on the, the bear patch, the scalded area, like how hot was the ground, or was it any hotter than than the uh, the, the you know the part that still had grass on it? All right, here's another one. Uh, This one comes to us from Nabil, and it is titled The Gates of Hell. Hi, Robert and Joe. Your recent episodes on long-burning fires reminded me of an existing fire located in Turkmenistan. In the Karkum Desert, a fiery crater about 69 uh, meters, 226 feet in diameter, and 30 meters, 98 feet deep, has been burning since 1971. 
The Darvaza gas crater, also known as the Gates of Hell, is a burning natural gas field collapsed into a cavern near Darvaza, Turkmenistan. It is believed that Soviet geologists intentionally set it on fire in 1971 to prevent the spread of methane gas, and it is thought to have been burning continuously ever since. It was estimated that the gas would burn out within a few weeks, but it has instead continued to burn for more than 50 years and is expected to keep on burning. Images of this fiery crater are worth looking up. I have attached some below. And then, yes, lo and behold, uh, some wonderful uh, images of this crater. I imagine that um, a lot of you out there have probably seen these before. They frequently pop up in uh, uh, like image galleries of, um, of impressive sites around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Nabil ends, uh, ends it out, though, by saying, Big fan of the show. I really enjoy the wide array of topics covered, especially such topics that wouldn't usually get attention elsewhere. Keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks, Nabil. Yeah, th- this is a really interesting site. And, and I'm sure it looks even cooler in the dark, I think. Mm, yeah, it seems to. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. 
And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, I guess next, well, uh, after this next message, we're going to be getting into Weird House Cinema, but this one will form a nice bridge. Oh, so Drew writes in about the Fire from the Rocks episodes, subject line, Centralia Pop Culture Missed Connection. Hmm. Drew says, hi, Robin Joe, longtime listener, first time writer. I love the mix of topics that you guys cover and how you incorporate research, uh, history, mythology, and pop culture. I wanted to point out another film or video game reference related to the town of Centralia, Pennsylvania. Centralia is said to be a partial inspiration for the town in the video game series and later film Silent Hill. The games uh, started as a horror suspense series similar to the first couple of Resident Evil games. Not sure if it's too recent or mainstream a movie for a Weird House Cinema episode, but could be an interesting one to tackle in the future. Appreciate all you do with the pod. Thank you, Drew. Oh, well, I mean, it is Christoph Gans. I'd love to to talk about the Gans at some point on the show. This this is funny because I have a, a, a very, very specific memory, a lucid memory about someone thinking uh, Silent Hill was weird because I saw this in the theater with a friend of mine when it came out. Mm-hmm. And a, uh, a girl in the theater near me answered her telephone while the, <laughs> the movie was playing. And what I remember her saying was in a very East Tennessee accent, she was like, she was like, I'm in a movie. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I remember it having some fun, weird elements and it had a great um, pyramid head in it. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I've not thought about that film in a while. I haven't played one of those games in forever, but I remember really loving Silent Hill 2, especially, and being really drawn into the setting. I don't remember anything about mining in it, but I remember there being like, you know, like there's a weird wizard prison under the town, and you're trying to figure mm. out how that loops into everything else, and uh, so huh. many locked doors. 
I actually never played any of these games, so I know a bit about all my friends were into them at a time when I, I didn't have the PlayStation or whatever I would have needed to play this, but all my friends loved it. And uh, I know one of the things about at least the first game, maybe some of the later ones too, is that the, everything's covered in fog. Like you can't mm-hmm. see very far ahead of you. Isn't that right, Rob? Like, yeah, a lot of fog. And And I wonder if... That's something that was originally a technological limitation that later got retconned into a uh, a piece of the setting for its own purposes. Like originally, if you have fog everywhere, you don't have to do do as much render distance when you're uh, yeah. you know creating the the polygons in the environment. But of course, I guess that turns into its own scary atmospheric thing, which works well in a horror game. And then later you could say, oh, yeah, that's because of all the fumes coming up from the ground. There's actually a coal seam fire in this town. So uh, I always like things like that. You know, I was actually just speaking of, of, of gas le- leaking up from the ground and tying into our last um, uh, listener mail uh, that we read there. I was reading in uh, Yokai Attack by uh, Hiroko Yoda and Matt Alt. Um, and there's a bit on one of the yokai named uh, Konaki Gigi, which is like this little old man in the encounter. He's like a he look he may look like a baby, but he's an old man. And if you pick him up, he grows in size and crushes you. Um, but in in that book, the authors point to a a possible explanation for this being linked to uh, methane fumes from uh, decomposing organic material. Uh, like people go out in the, into a, like a really rich forest environment. They're overcome by the methane fumes, and then they hallucinate uh, Kanaki Gigi here. That's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't researched it further, so I don't know if there's uh, if, how robust that theory is. Uh-huh. But it's a fun little yokai, like, like many of the, the yokai. The yokai are so much fun. Also, now that I know uh, about this link to the Silent Hill games, that means there's a, there's a link, a clear link between the Silent Hill games and the film Nothing But Trouble. And oh. I think this is how you bring the Silent Hill games back. We haven't had a proper Silent Hill game in a while. They need to join together the Nothing But Trouble universe and the Silent Hill universe into one uh, cohesive video game experience. Dan Aykroyd's next venture, Pyramid Head Vodka. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into uh, Weird House Cinema here. Here's one. Uh, th- this one uh, concerns Planet of the Vampires. And uh, I think we'd ask the question, well, what are some of the best planet surface sets uh, ever to be featured in a science fiction film? So James writes in and says, hi, guys. I'm going to redefine best here to best at being a set. I nominate the generic cave set from Deep Space Nine, uh, referring to Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, the set itself is okay. It's a decent job of fiberglass and stucco for a weekly spinoff show. What it lacks in glamour, it makes up in persistence. It is the hardest working cave in show business. Every Deep Space Nine episode involving anything remotely underground uses that same set. They change the lighting, uh, what they scatter on the floor and the camera angles. But once you see it, you can't unsee it. I never noticed when watching the original show, but when you uh, can binge watch something, you notice these things. Most sci-fi does this to some extent, but I think that that, uh, set is in as many episodes as it isn't in. They do a really good job of disguising it for the first few seasons, but by the end of the show, they are just adding a few alien knickknacks and some side lighting or something. While not spectacular, if we rank it on cost per entertainment unit, this has most sets beat. Possibly the only thing to beat it 
uh, in that department isn't a set, but this thing. Oh, and then James links to a video that, that I went and watched uh, that is a massive compilation of every movie and TV show, including a lot of Star Trek episodes that use this random sci-fi set piece of it, it's like these two metal housings with a tube in between them. And they seem to be <laughs> shooting red lasers back and forth, but inside the tube. Oh, wow. Yes. I'm, I'm looking at this now. It shows up in the last Starfighter. Oh, yeah. 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 With Dan O'Herlihy and monster yeah. makeup uh, going like, oh, what are you doing? And then it's just that thing behind him. Yeah, it looks like we got some incredible Hulk TV show in there. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I've definitely seen this thing before, but I'd never really put it together that it's showing up in other shows, including Star Trek The Next Generation. It's crucial to defeating Zur and the Codan Armada. <laughs> well, speaking of Star Trek TV series uh, planet surface sets... Again, I, I don't want to be unkind because I know a lot. I know everybody loves uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, and I know I would probably love it, too, if I made it far enough in the series. But I, as I've admitted on the show multiple times before, I sort of like tried the first season and couldn't really get further than that. Uh, and one of the things that I found most hilarious about it was the planet surface sets, many of which to me appeared to be like what looked like a... 1980s like family portrait photo studio full of potted plants and just shooting people <laughs> from the knees up so you don't see the pots yeah yeah um i don't remember the the early the first season that much the main thing i remember about the first season from back when i was watching all of these in junior high is that the the um the the, the uniforms look a lot rougher that first season there seemed mm -hmm. to be some huge advancements that were made in subsequent se seasons regarding just how um uh, authentic the the costumes look like it, they looked like the actors were maybe more comfortable in them though i've also read that the com the the actors were just sort of uniform universally uncomfortable in those uh, outfits for like the whole run of the series so i don't know yeah but it comes back to something we've talked about before in the show in your science fiction if you've got a good looking jumpsuit doesn't matter I guess, uh, you know, how comfortable it is. But if it looks good, a good jumpsuit, a good uniform will go a long ways towards creating the, this feeling of some some future society. Oh, yeah. There's there's Planet of the Vampires right there. I, yeah. Those those uniforms at Planet of the Vampires look uh, uh, egregious. Like, they, they, they do not breathe. Those crew <laughs> members are just cooking in their own juices. Now, it, that is a cast that had a lot of uh, a very attractive people in it. Uh, but but uh, so this may explain it. But another thing I would say is that nobody looks like severely awkward in those uniforms. And that is that is sometimes the case with your sci fi uniforms. Uh, uh, and I come back to Santa Claus conquers the Martians in this. The Martians had these outfits and some of the actors fill those outfits out enough. Some look a little bit awkward in them. So uh, that's always uh, something as well, especially when you're dealing with alien outfits that are basically leotards or some other kind of, uh, you know, awkward costume that's going to ultimately make all but the fittest of, uh, of, of people on the cast look a little silly. And then sometimes the really fit actors look ridiculous in them too. So, you know, nobody has ever looked awkward in a Star Trek episode. Oh, and by the way, all the, all the Trekkies who are, you're now composing lists of the best, uh, next generation episodes to send me. This has happened before when I've admitted this on the show before that I didn't make it past the first season. I know, I know there's good next generation stuff. I'm not denying that. I just haven't made it to it yet. So uh, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not slagging your favorite. <laughs> Oh, 
All right. Looks like we have one more Planet of the Vampires email. You want to get this one, Joe? Oh, sure. This is from Jim, not Jim in New Jersey, different Jim. Uh, This is a a two Jim uh, party today. Jim says, hey, guys, I watched Planet of the Vampires over the weekend. Fun Weird House film, as always. I was struck in the beginning of the film how much the planet they landed on, Aura, looked like Neptune. In 1965, we hadn't had flybys yet to see what the outer planets looked like. It would make more sense at the end of the movie when they decide to come to Earth if they were already in our solar system. Their only problem, colon, without the meteor rejector, they might have a rough time getting past the asteroid belt. Keep up the great work, and thanks for all the great weird movies, Jim. Oh, thank you, Jim. And that's a question I do not know the answer to. What is the what is the actual uh, chance of, of running into a sizable enough rock to have a problem uh, if you're flying a spaceship around in our solar system past past the orbit of Mars? Um, you know, this has come up on the show before, hasn't it? Discussing the distance between these objects that, um, that in many cases, like we're dealing with, with rather large distances. So yeah, I don't know that, uh, that, our, that our aliens here would have been in tremendous risk. Though then again, I guess it would depend partially on how fast you're going. Because if you're going really fast and you run into something even very tiny, mm-hmm. that could cause major damage, right? Right. Yeah. I guess speed is a, a fact. Like it, it's we're probably reading too much into it, but I guess the meteor ejector, it makes it seem like maybe this is so the, the vehicle can travel at a speed, uh, sufficient enough to make just about anything it might run into lethal. So, um, I don't know. I'm not sure where I fall on this question. Yeah. The, the Argus and the Galliot, like they, they run into a paint chip or a, a little speck of dust and it's a nuclear explosion. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll have to think about this. Could go either way on it. Then again, we've sent plenty of uh, uncrewed probes past the orbit of uh, Mars. We've sent them through the asteroid belt, and uh, I don't know of any occasions where this has been a major problem. Hmm. So, yeah, who knows? What if the uh, the meteor ejector isn't really a rejector? Sorry, isn't really technology, but it's just pure superstition. It's kind of like. <laughs> right. um, you know, there being like a special piece of metal that all the sailors on a ship have to touch uh, that protects yeah. them from uh, evil omens and so forth. The, like, like what's in that b- plastic binocular set is actually like a uh, a pickled crow's foot that a witch has uh, put a blessing on for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't know a lot about how their culture operates, so it's yeah. possible as well. Okay, I think that does it for this one. All right, we're going to go and close it out then, but we'll be back with more listener mail in the future. So keep it coming. Responses to today's episode of Listener Mail, uh, responses to past episodes of Stuff to Blow Your Mind and Weird House Cinema, as well as recommendations for future episodes of both. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at Stuff to Blow Your Mind. Mind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. 
What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 